Hello and welcome to Let It Be, a podcast about less doing and more being. This is episode 56. So Brooke, today's episode is about giving up and we could take a few different paths with that one, but the one we've chosen to follow is the path where there are bad habits we should give up on or things that aren't serving us particularly well in life, but we just can't seem to find our way to quitting that thing. I know this is something I I hear a lot of people emailing me and I suspect it's something you've come across a bit in your journey through the online world. So is there something common that people write to you about with regard to giving up or not being able to give up despite knowing they should? It's a really good question. Interestingly, I think people ask me this few really, really frequently asked questions and the question itself is not necessarily the question, but the subtext (laughs) of the question is the real question. So it's uh, comparisons and, and dealing with expectations are really, really common. And I don't think that, that that's not what people ask, but yeah. I think that's what they are actually asking. And I think they find it very difficult to give that up because, I mean, because of heaps of reasons, but it's something that then drives them towards behaviors or, or choices or actions that they know aren't positive for them but they find themselves repeating time and time again. And I think it's, it's like anything, really. It's a matter of figuring out why we're doing these things that aren't working for us and why we continue to do them. That's actually the real, the real problem that needs solving rather than the, the action itself. Because I think sometimes those, those sorts of actions, be it you know, spending too much time on social media or spending money that we don't have in order to keep up with the next-door neighbours, I think that that's not necessarily the problem, rather a symptom of the problem. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, yeah, the idea of, of quitting negative behaviours or habits is one that's central to so many of the changes that, that people want to make. What sort of things do people ask you about? I mean, what, what are the kind of recurring things that people are trying to give up? They want to give up overwhelm, basically. Mm. They want to give up on that. And then, yeah, the other thing, as you've mentioned, is... The subtext. So the subtext is they want to give up on the expectations that other people have yep. of them, or they also want to give up the expectations they have of themselves because they mm-hmm. do feel like this. These expectations they have of themselves, they know they're not serving them very well, but they don't know. Yeah, they don't know how to quit them basically and change their mindset around those expectations. And at the moment, I'm doing a course on acceptance and commitment therapy. So the act that's kind of pioneered by Hayes and in Australia, particularly by Russ Harris. If anyone's read The Happiness Trap, it's around ACT. And in that form of therapy, they talk a lot about towards moves and away moves. Mm. So, you know, towards moves are things that are taking you towards you know living a life that's true to your values and you know is a meaningful life and away moves are things that we all do that take us away from that meaningful life that we want and away from a a values driven life that we want and yeah so it's interesting me now kind of having those words to put to it because that is what a lot of the emails that I get are about like they know that they're making all these away moves so they're not acting in accordance with their values 
their actions aren't taking them towards a meaningful life. So, And I think that's the worst thing. They know that they're doing it, but they don't know how to make the behavioural change mm. to to take them where they want to go. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, so like I said, we, you know, this podcast is titled Giving Up on the Bad Stuff. Why are we finding it so hard to give it up? You know, why do we find it so hard to give up the bad stuff? It's such, it's such <laughs> an interesting question because we can look at things like, yeah, this is not good for me and I understand And we that. know, yeah. like we 100% know it's not, like there's aware, no like, you know, ambivalence. Yeah, <laughs> we're aware that, that this behaviour, let's say it's endless social media scrolling, you know, we're yeah. aware that that is having a negative impact on us and yet we find ourselves going back time and time and time again so it's a question that I I often ask of myself like why is something why is moving away from something that's negative for us so difficult and I think it's got to do with comfort Mm. you know we yeah we're uncomfortable but we know what's coming like we know what is involved in this negative thing these never negative action these negative behaviors we understand what it entails we don't yeah. know what it looks like on the other side you know and it's i think sometimes it can be tied up with our like our self identity who are mm. we you know who who would i be without this who would i be if i wasn't this chaotic stress head who would i be if i wasn't the, the drama magnet who would i be if i wasn't constantly on instagram who would i be if 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 so in a way, I think we really do stay stuck subconsciously but on purpose because it's more comfortable yeah. to remain there than it is to consider what's on the other side, you know, and, and to actually do what's on the other side without knowing necessarily what that's going to look or feel like. So I do think that it's it's really related to, to comfort zones yeah. and being uh, yeah. willing to be uncomfortable and like distinctly uncomfortable for maybe a bit of time. What do you think? Oh, 100%. So I'm going to say to you, let's counsel me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Brooke, you've been a bit slack on the therapy this yeah, year. Yeah, I know. So like, I guess it's kind of not being qualified, up, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I have an addiction to Facebook. Like, I hate the platform. It's ironic. Like, I hate it. <laughs> I hate going on there. I hate my attachment to it. I'm 100% aware, like I catch myself going there and I'm doing it knowing full well that I'm looking for that little dopamine Mm -hmm. hit. I'm looking for the little thumbs up. I'm looking for the comment on something I've shared. So I know why I'm going in there. And it's almost like the story I'm telling myself is I'm going in there with intent Sure. because I know why I'm going there. And it's okay because I'm doing it with intent. So you're fully awake and aware and realizing what you're doing and you're kind and of I'm, saying to yourself that makes it okay. Yeah. Yep. And actually, so I'll talk again about something that, that comes up in ACT and they talk about workability. So something is only a problem if it's unworkable in your life, if it's actually taking you away from your values, taking you away from how you want to behave, right? taking okay. you away from a meaningful life. If something you could be taking part in bad behavior or doing things that, you know, you know, 
in theory, in other people's worlds, aren't, aren't the greatest behavior. But if it's not actually having a bad impact on your life, like say overthinking, mm-hmm. if overthinking isn't actually affecting your life in a negative way, then go nuts, overthink all you want. It's only when it's, you know, holding you back from doing things that you want to do or stopping you from making decisions that overthinking becomes a problem. Mm. It becomes unworkable. So I'm looking at my behavior with regard to social media and, and Facebook and I'm going, right, is this workable or unworkable? And it's unworkable because I spend too much time on there and I could be doing other better things. And what I identified the other day actually when I was chatting with Carly in a podcast was that what that time I spend on social media does, it doesn't make me less productive, it robs my day of white space. Yeah. Yet I still do it. Why am I still doing it, Brooke? Yeah. (laughs) Is it just because it's so hard habit to break or is it because we're so hardwired for validation and feeling like we're part of something bigger? And do you think that something like Facebook really feeds that human need to feel like we're part of something bigger than ourselves and really plays on that? Or do you think, again, that is a story I'm telling myself? justify i think i think you're right kind of on 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 both counts i think it is a hard habit it's these these websites these apps have been designed by people whose job it is to maximize your like your engagement and your almost addiction to them that's their job so you know you're, you're kind of operating at a disadvantage because a genius or a team of geniuses has designed this thing (laughs) That, it, that, that means you're going to spend maximum time on there. The amount of time that you are giving yourself, you know, even without realizing it, but the amount of time that you're giving yourself to do, to spend time on Facebook, their, their job is to make sure that as much of that time as possible is actually spent on Facebook. So I think it's a, for that reason, it's a hard habit to break. And I also think that it is terrible for this, this idea of, of validation and that dopamine hit but completely understandable and completely understandable yeah. because we do have a, like a physical response to it. Like, yeah, I'm validated. Someone sees me. Someone agrees with me. Someone it's likes like, me. It's like ding. Yeah, totally. Ding, gold star, gold star. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> like... So, I mean, I think, okay, so here's a question for you. If I said to you, you aren't going on Facebook with the exception of like really crucial work things for a month, how, like, yeah. what, what does that story that's happening in your head say? Like what? What's your reaction to that? That's that's really an interesting kind of question to ask ourselves. I would feel relief at the thought of that. Mm -hmm. I would feel relief at the fact that I am actually not allowed to go on there except for work stuff. So that's my feeling in the moment. Mm -hmm. I think, though, the next time I'm having a bit of a low moment and I, I need a little bit of validation external validation to make me feel better in that moment I would be like can't go on Facebook Mm. can I go on Instagram Mm. (laughs) so I'm I'm super super aware of that and it makes me uncomfortable and you're right in that I don't really want to deal with that uncomfortable Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I don't want to deal with the uncomfortable feeling of not of having a bit of a low day or a low moment so right what i'm doing to deal with that is yeah 
I would I'd be like, where can I get something to relieve this uncomfortable feeling? Or which makes it a bit like a drug. Yeah, yeah, sure. And it, it is, you know, it's like it, it. You do have a physiological reaction to it, so it's it's a real kick, a real boost to to us in that yeah. moment. Or instead of like kind of rallying against that low moment or that moment where I need, you know, you, you're like, I need, I need to feel better. I need, you know, I need someone to, to make me feel like I'm, I'm wanted or, you know, valued. What if you just wrote out that feeling and just accepted it? Because, I mean, we do all have moments like that. So instead of going, okay, oh God, I feel, I feel down. I feel low. I feel sad. I feel lonely. I need to connect, just give me a give me a fix. Yeah. What if you just rode out that feeling of uncomfortable lowness and saw like waited to see what was on the other side? What would happen then? Yeah, I think I would definitely be able to do it if somebody said to me, "You would do this. You do this." Mm. And if I could go back to them and tell them I did it, and then they would validate me. <laughs> If I'm going to be complete, you know, in the interest of complete transparency and honesty, that is what would drive me. If like, if I had to, and this is belying my upholder status, and if Gretchen Rubin was everyone has shades of grey, (laughs) yeah, you know. But in the yeah, in in things like that, yeah, I would want someone to say, okay, Kelly, in this situation, like I'd like you to try this. And then I would want to be able to go back to you and go, Brooke, Brooke, guess what? The other day I was really uncomfortable. I just sat with it and did it. And I would need you to say, Kelly, that's fantastic. Well done. Here's a gold star. Like, <laughs> Okay. Well, that, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that, that. So that's the need. Like that's the thing that you're, you're fulfilling. So if what you want to do is give up this dependency on Facebook, how can we fulfill that need in a different way? Like, I'll give you a gold star. That's cool. (laughs) And is that seeking Um, of the gold star from you, is it any healthier? It it probably is, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, because I think what happens is is you might go to Facebook for that validation and kind of like I was saying earlier, that's um, the symptom. It's not necessarily the problem. And then what happens is once you get there, there are other negative things that kind of tie. Like you might, all you might need is (laughs) to go there and see, you know, the little red number and you know people people like me me. people (laughs) have seen me great and then get off and that need has been met but what actually happens is that then you waste time on there and you scroll through your news feed and you do all these other things that aren't actually fulfilling the the need that you're going there for yeah so I wonder you know so so if you gave me a call or texted me or something like that and say (laughs) I just did this I'm so proud of myself and I wrote back yay that's awesome you're still getting that validation but you're not also wasting your time which I think is what you feel bad about it's not necessarily the need for validation because that's fine like that's that's important to you maybe it's the all the other stuff that you feel bad about that comes with the time spent on Facebook like yeah. the time wasted I think you're right specifically I think you're absolutely right it is yeah Facebook the amount of time I spend on Facebook the only reason it's unworkable for me is because of how much white space it robs from my day so the time I spend mm-hmm. there then means I have to speed up other parts of my day that ordinarily I wouldn't have to. I would have more time to give to those parts of my day if I wasn't on Facebook so much. Mm. So maybe that could be kind of the driving force behind a shift in your behavior as well, like thinking about what you stand to gain by saying no, you know, and limiting yourself 
to like two check-ins a day or, or whatever might be workable and say the reason like every any other time you find yourself picking up your phone or opening the browser window to go to Facebook just think to yourself what what do I stand to gain by not doing this and the answer is white space or time or you know a, a moment of downtime and that might be enough to kind of rebalance it a little bit yeah it's not necessary like you say if it's workable it's not necessary to completely remove it that might help you you know if you removed it for a week just to kind of to act as a circuit breaker and I'm a big believer in those kind of wholesale actions like a sugar yeah going off sugar for a month really does help recalibrate your taste buds getting off Facebook for a week might help recalibrate your use of time on Facebook but you don't necessarily need to cut it out of your life completely but really put in place a couple of boundaries maybe and then use that white space reason as the the reason why you don't why you don't kind of dip into to your white space any more than necessary. Yeah, no, I like that. I shall mm. do that. Okay. Okay, thank you. Oh, that's all right. So can you think of anything in your life that you knew you had to give up but mm. really, really struggled to? Uh, yeah, so negative self-talk mm. is hu- like, that's huge. I knew for a long time that that was having massively detrimental impact on my my happiness, my mental health, my overall well-being, my ability to to work to capacity and potential, and and finish jobs, all like everything was was affected by this negative self-talk, this lack of worth. You know, this person inside my head who hated me and told me that I was a piece of crap and I didn't deserve anything. I knew I had to quit that. I knew that it was a problem. I could see it rationally. I could understand that. Not everything that was being said was true just because I was thinking it doesn't doesn't mean it was true, but it was incredibly difficult and remains incredibly difficult, but I'm much better at it to keep a lid on it and to to develop strategies that minimize it and that actually make it kind of dissipate over time. And I think for me the the biggest moment of kind of bravery is is that first moment of standing up and saying actually shut up <laughs> that's not true you know and that was the biggest moment of bravery and it didn't change everything or you know overnight but what it did do was make me realize that i can do something about that there is something that i can do even if it's just for a moment even if it's just for 10 seconds of respite from that negative self talk I can do something about it. And much like meditation or mindfulness is these tiny little pockets of you don't get to talk to me like that and using those pockets to then go and do something like send the email that the voice in my head was saying, you're not clever. Like no one's going to take you seriously. Are you an idiot? Like this is a joke. You're ridiculous. No one wants to hear from you. This is a silly idea, blah, blah, blah. But if I just told that voice to can it, for a minute and use that minute to send the email, then it doesn't matter. She can come back. I'm like, suck yeah, I did it anyway. I sent it anyway. Too bad. You lose. And just really tiny little moments like that, that I got to feel a sense of pride in or a sense of like ownership or a sense of strength, I guess, in, you know, in dealing with that, that voice that has been part of my life since forever. That is really how I've, I've kind of started to overcome it. Just, day by day most days by most days anyway yeah um, so is that yeah. voice like that voice isn't gone is mm. it so mm. it's it's there and you've really you've just developed the management strategies to 
quiet in it. Wouldn't it? Is it quieter or is it just like you're able to now go, look, you're there, I can hear you, but I'm mm-hmm. going to do this thing anyway. So Exactly. It's much like my approach to meditation. The way I deal with that voice is the way I deal with thoughts that come into my mind when I'm meditating because that's what my brain does. It thinks things. But instead of engaging with those thoughts when I'm meditating, I just let them drift on through. They just drift. I'm like, yeah, I see you. I'm not thinking you. I'm not dealing with you right now. Come back later. And they just drift on through. And that negative voice, that negative self-talk is much the same. I can now most of the time separate it from fact. And the, I mean, the confusing thing is sometimes she's right. <laughs> That's the thing. Sometimes the, what I've turned out is not good enough or what I'm doing isn't a great idea. But you know what? It's better to figure that stuff out from a place of, you know, integrity and positivity and, and authenticity than it is to go just a wholesale, everything sucks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what I, I do is I can recognize that voice as a voice that is not necessarily my own uh, or not necessarily speaking the truth anyway and just put it in this box. Right? Yeah, I see you. I understand what you're saying. Yes, I acknowledge you, but I'm not. I'm not dealing with you right now. And I use those those pockets of time, which get bigger over time, to do things that, like, she would hate. <laughs> She'd hate me <laughs> not doing them. And, but the more I do them, the quieter it gets, you know, the smaller the box and the further kind of back back in my brain I get to shove it. Yeah, so that's probably been, like, by far the biggest thing that I've had to, to turn around. And I think um, just taking a moment of bravery or honesty or whatever you want to call it bravery is such an overused word but you know what I mean like that that just the moment where you just gird yourself and you're like shut up and press send then it's done and I think that that's kind of the, the way I've I've dealt with it mostly and I think what's um I think the most interesting thing about that is the fact that you've been able to give up on something without eliminating it from your life Mm. which I think a lot of people in your situation, they'd be like, I've tried to give up on this stupid voice in my head. She won't go away. Maybe this is just it for my life. And yeah, I think it's important for people to realize that you can give up on that thing. It can still be present in your life, but you don't have to be, you, you don't have to engage with it in the way that in the way that takes you away from your meaningful life and your values. Exactly. You know, you can choose to manage it in a way that, you know, it's there, it's not going away, it's kind of part of my brain. It's a bit like me and overthinking. Like mm. I'd like to think that you know, I'm never going to eliminate overthinking from my life. I'm never going to eliminate perfectionism from my life or the idea that I can control life, but I can, all, you know, I can give up on those as constructs, like I can say. I give up on perfectionism. I give you away because I know that yep. you're not possible. You're always going to be a bit of a part of me. You're always going to rear your head, but at least now I can recognize when you're doing so and yes. I can do something about it rather than, yeah, I do think, yeah, a lot of people think if I can't get this thing out of my life, then that's it. Too bad for me. It's yep. it's just part of me and it, it doesn't have to be that way. We can manage these. These things can exist inside of us without holding us back from doing the things that we want to do. Absolutely. And it sort of ties back to this idea of workability that you spoke about. You can take something that has become such an issue so as to no longer be workable. 
Like you can't work around it. You can't deal. It's, it's really stopping you from doing things and you can come up with strategies and habits and behaviors and changes and all these things that slowly shove it back into something that's workable. Yeah, you know? and that's right. It's, yeah, it's really just moving it to the side until it becomes an issue. Sure, look, it might always be an issue. That negative voice in my head will probably always be there in some capacity. Some days it's louder than others, but almost all the time now it's entirely workable because I've got this armory of, of tools of you know dealing with it. And I think that, that the only thing that I will say with the idea of workability when you were talking about it is I think that, and this is probably something we can you know talk about in another episode, but I think there's a difference between when something is unworkable for you and when it becomes unworkable unworkable for people in your life. Yeah. And I think I'm thinking specifically of if someone has a problem, let's say an addiction to Facebook, just to use your example, yeah. they don't think it's a problem. They think it's workable. They're like, look, I'm, I've got it under control. It's fine. But their family is looking at them constantly, head down on the screen, disengaged with family, not listening to conversations. Like it's workable for one person, but not workable <laughs> yeah. for another. And I think that that's, that requires quite a high level of self-awareness, I think, yeah. to recognize <laughs> when something is actually you might tell yourself it's workable, but is it really workable? But I think well, then that comes by back to the values thing again, doesn't it? It's well, like that's okay, true. so like you know, so this might you know this behavior that I'm engaging in, it's working for me, but external to me is it impacting this value that I have yeah. about family. And as and then as you say, then you have to become aware of it, and then you have to go right. Even though this is workable for me, I don't feel like my use of Facebook is excessive it's taking me away from this yep. other value that I have in my life. Mm, I think that's really important. That's, that's hugely important. And like everything that we talk about, it almost always comes back to why, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, this value, values-based way of living. And I think that if we do the headwork of, of establishing that, even in some kind of you know, blurry version, it can become such a valuable tool in helping us to give up things or, you know, reduce things that aren't working for us or like we spoke about last week, becoming more, you know, quote unquote disciplined by, by using that why as a driving force. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is just so central to everything. Definitely. And then the other just kind of a final point I wanted to make about this whole idea of, you know, the giving up on, on the bad stuff and which, you know, which is really things when I call something a bad stuff, what I mean is something that's not serving you well mm. and having an understanding that something that's serving, not serving you well right now doesn't mean it never will. So, mm. you know, you can revisit that in the future. So I guess as an example, like, you know, I really want to get back to running competitively and at a high level. Right now, well, my kids are very young and, you know, so there's school stuff and also where our business is at the moment where it needs quite a lot of input from me. Like me then suddenly deciding, oh, I want to get back to running competitively. It's really important to me. Like that just is not workable at this time and moment. But that doesn't mean it's never, ever going to be workable again. Like I've, you know, so my kids are seven and four. I've got friends whose kids are like, you know, 10 and 8 and they have completely different 
life to the ones we have at the moment. Yes. I mean, like Mia still does a sleep on the weekend, which is amazing, by the way. Amazing. <laughs> but, you know, it's just little things like that where, you know, my kids whose friends are 10 and 8, the kids are more independent, you know, their mum – they can go out for a run in the morning and leave the kids at home by themselves, yep. you know, for half an hour. Things, well, maybe not 10 and 8, maybe 12 and 10 or something, but I don't want to get any of my friends in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Tox knocking on their door. But, you know, it's, yeah, it's that understanding that, and you talk about it a lot, the seasons of life and, you know, don't despair that giving up. Because I think that's another reason that we will hold on to things because we think if I, if I don't hold on to this thing, and if I, if I give it up now, I'm giving it up forever. And you're not like mm. you, you're giving it up for literally for now. And it, you know, when the time is right in your life, then you can bring it back in when it is a more, more workable thing. Mm. I also think that the, the language of it mm. is kind of a negative. There's a negative implication in the idea of giving up on something. And it might help to think about I'm choosing something else instead just for now. You know, I'm, I'm choosing or my, my energies need to go towards like being with the kids rather than running competitively or something like that. Like I think if we can flip it into I'm choosing rather than giving up, it can also, it can also help us to feel like there's a real intent there. And it's while it's a compromise, you know, that's, that's life mostly. Yeah, life is a compromise. Yeah, exactly. If you, you don't live in a vacuum, you don't exist in a vacuum. So there will be compromises and, and sacrifices and almost all of them will be willing, but it doesn't mean they don't sting. Uh, so I think that saying I'm choosing to, I'm choosing to focus on this rather than this right now. I'm choosing to let go of perfectionism in order to embrace getting more done or, you know, I'm choosing to be healthier i'm choosing to move more not i'm choosing to, i'm not i'm giving up on you know an unhealthy lifestyle but i'm choosing to move more i think that there can be some like level of of i don't know ownership or, or momentum that comes with that as well an acceptance i think yeah, yeah that intent and that you know setting this aside for now thing is you know it's you achieving a level of acceptance and i do think that with that level of acceptance comes a real peace Mm, you know with your yes, decisions yep. and when you, and you know, Absolutely. And we all know that feeling of peace and when we achieve it how lovely it is so i think that's something nice to aim for thank you for listening to this episode of let it be if you want to connect with kelly or myself you can find us on social media kelly is at kelly exeter on twitter and on facebook if you search for a life less frantic you will find her there and on uh, Twitter, I'm at Brooke McCallery. And on Facebook, I'm at Slow Your Home. And uh, if you wanted to either reach out to us on Twitter, you can use hashtag LetItBePod or uh, head over to LetItBe.fm and you can find our show notes and other information about the show. And finally, if you wanted or felt you know, the desire to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. And, um, you know, we, we read them all and we appreciate you taking the time to listen and then uh, tell us what you think. Jack Rabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.